Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Leadership School. If you want the bibliographic info or want to subscribe so you don't miss any sessions of Leadership School, visit GaryCrow.net. Please enjoy these leadership insights from a renowned leadership expert. Hackman, Richard J. Collaborative Intelligence, Using Teams to Solve Hard Problems. San Francisco, Berrettkula Publishers, Incorporated, 2011. A team is akin to an audio amplifier. Whatever comes in, be it Mozart or e-grating static, comes out louder. To perform well, any team must include members who have the knowledge and skill that the task requires. It must recognize which members have which capabilities and it must properly weight members' inputs avoiding the trap of being more influenced by those who have high status or who are highly vocal than by those who actually know what they are talking about. The benefits of teamwork come only when capable people work together interdependently to achieve some collective purpose. Face-to-face teams are indicated when creating a high-quality product requires coordinated contributions in real time from a diversity of members who have complementary expertise, experience, and perspectives. We have seen that the five common types of teams discussed surgical, coping, face-to-face, distributed, and sand dune are appropriate in some task and organizational circumstances, but not in others. The social processes the team uses in carrying out the work enhance members' capability to work together interdependently in the future. An effective team is a more capable performing unit when it has finished a piece of work than it was when the work began. Here is the rub. Research has shown that leader behavior makes the most constructive difference for teams that are reasonably well-structured and supported in the first place. If a team is poorly composed, has an ambiguous or an important purpose, and operates in an organization that discourages rather than supports teamwork, there is no way that a leader's hands-on interventions with the team can turn things around. The six enabling conditions are creating a real team, specifying a compelling direction or purpose for the team, putting the right number of the right people on the team, specifying clear norms of conduct for team behavior, providing a supportive organizational context, and making competent team-focused coaching available to the team. If what holds members tightly together is a shared wish to maintain harmony and good interpersonal relationships, the risks of dysfunction are high. But if cohesiveness stems from a shared commitment to accomplishing the team's task, it can unleash members' energies and talents to generate synergies that never would be seen in a loosely bounded group. One way to lessen the likelihood of purpose-related problems in managerial and professional teams is to establish, as a team's first and most important task, the development of an agreed-upon statement of the team's main purposes. Someone who is internally motivated feels great when he or she has done well, and feels bad when things have gone poorly. It is those internally generated feelings that fuel motivation, not extrinsic rewards or prods from a supervisor. Leaders often put too many people on the team in the first place, 
either to make sure the team has enough members to accomplish the work or to include at least one representative of every constituency with a stake in the outcome. The perverse result can be such an excess of members that the team has little chance to perform at a level that will please those same constituencies. Psychological safety is a shared belief that the team is a place where one can take personal and interpersonal risks. Members of psychologically safe teams are better able to admit mistakes, more likely to ask for help from teammates, more open about what they do and do not know, and more likely to learn from the expertise of others. The degree to which teams actually use the tools available to them, however, depends considerably on how those tools are made available. There is a world of difference between We've put some great new software on your desktops that you and your teammates can use to coordinate your activities. Give it a try. You'll really like it. And, can we talk to your team about how you work together, see what's getting in your way or slowing you down? Maybe there are some tools out there that you'd find helpful. The greatest leverage is obtained when coaching interventions address the three task performance processes colon, the level and coordination of member effort the appropriateness to the task and situation of the performance strategies the team is using, and the degree to which the team is using the full complement of its members' knowledge and skill. Conventional wisdom specifies that, when things are not going well or when an unfolding crisis must be managed in real time, control should be centralized. All information is fed to, and orders for action flow from, the person in control. That, it is believed, increases both efficiency and coordination. In fact, central control may be the opposite of what is needed. When quick and well-informed responses to developing situations are required, autonomy and accountability should be pushed downward, not gathered up. It is, indeed, hard to dance well under an umbrella that someone else is holding. Framing a problem is a creative act that is more appropriate for a single talented individual than for an interacting group. Leaders who overlook the distinction between designing and executing a task risk using teams more often and less appropriately than those who think carefully about whether using a team is actually the best way to carry out a particular piece of work.
Music by Kevin McLeod.